Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, Go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. The number is now four. And as many times as you hear it, it's still remarkable that the city of St. Paul and the proximity where all four of them grew up, not all at the same time, but clearly David Winfield, Jack Morris, my next guest, Hall of Famer self, Paul Molitor group around the same time. Joe is just a little bit younger, but in the same general area. And Paul Molitor is uh, just outstanding in the radio, Hall of Famer himself, and has joined us dozens and dozens and dozens of times over the years. And Paul, like all of our guests, is on the uh, John Schuster Caldwell Banker hotline. Hello, sir. Hope all is well. Let me start this way. When is the first time you heard of Joe Maurer? When is the first time you saw him? Yeah, hey, Chad. It's good to be with you. Um, just a tremendously exciting day yesterday, and the uh, whole concept surrounding St. Paul baseball um, gets the magnifying glass once again, which is tremendous. You know, when Joe was a youngster uh, coming up through the St. Paul Parks and Recreation Systems, it wasn't really until he got to Cretan that I became aware of him. Um, The Cretan baseball coach for a long time was my teammate and classmate, Jimmy O'Neill. Sure. And and Jimmy had reached out to me at some point along the way because we had maintained contact through the many years and told me about this Joe Maurer kid. And uh, I remember I had gone over to Cretan some, a couple of times while I was still playing and did some clinics and tried to provide some things for the players over there in terms of, you know, like shoes and batting gloves and things like that. And that was the first time I remember meeting Joe uh, face-to-face was on, on Cretan's baseball field somewhere back when he was probably in his early high school years. And, uh, you know, Jimbo just – from Creed just kind of kept me up up to date on his progress during his time there. You know, everybody knows about the fact that Joe only struck out one time during his entire mm. four years at high school, which is still amazing. Um, but that was kind of when it started for me as far as my knowledge of Joe and uh, just the fact that this kid had a chance to progress uh, not only through his high school career, but have a chance to be a significant major league player, which turned out to be totally true. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I'm just, I'm reminded of the whole, controversy around the draft and Joe and, you know, prior being another potential number one pick and how Terry Ryan kind of stuck his neck out and went with the hometown kid. And certainly Terry can look back on that decision with a lot of pride as well. Yeah. In fact, because of that, we started the show with Terry 
talking about that and and how that played out and Mike Ratcliffe's role and the debate on prior how soon he could join the team. If people miss that, they can podcast it pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. Just punch in the name of the show, Chad Hartman Show. Okay, now, was there a moment for you when you saw him in the minors where you thought, whoa, this guy really has some? You know, I was in player development during Joe's brief time okay. in our minor. I was trying to remember so, if you were doing any minors at that time. Yeah, um, you know, I, how, how about the time warp just with all this stuff to think that Joe's been out of the game for five and a half years yeah. and back to how long ago it was since he was drafted and all the excitement uh, here with the local kid getting drafted. But I did see him through his minor league progression. Um, one time specifically, I can remember he had just got promoted to New Britain, where our Double A team was, and uh, I, you know, I hadn't seen him down in, in Fort Myers, which was the high A team at the time, um, over that previous months before the lead up into me having a chance to catch him for a handful of games up there in New Britain, and it was the same guy that I had seen in spring training, and you know, my times that I had a chance to watch him play high school baseball, just never overwhelmed by whether it was a transition from one league to the next league up or facing high-caliber caliber pitching, which was double-A, definitely a lot better than, than the A-ball. And, you know, it was just a matter of time, in, in my mind, just seeing him that this kid's got a chance to really expedite his way through the system, and it won't be long before we're going to see this guy catching up in the Twin Cities. And Sure enough, I, I don't even know how long he was in New Britain. And, and before long, you know, that following year, I think it was when he got a chance to start start the season out before that unfortunate knee injury in the beginning of his career. Yeah, second game of, of that, that first year. Paul Molitor with us, fellow Hall of Famer, talking about Joe Maurer. Can I just circle back your high school career? Do you remember how many times you struck out? <laughs> no, I, I really have no idea. Um, it had to be a know, small no, number, though, right? Uh, most likely I, I, I spent a lot of time pitching in the high school level. In fact, when I saw Joe play numerous games at the high school level, I remember watching him pitch at times when he wasn't catching and, um, everybody talks about Joe's all around athletic ability. And it wasn't just that he could play basketball and he was potentially going to be an NFL quarterback. Um, he could pitch too, you know, it's just another one of the many things that, you know, add to his skill set. When when you you finally saw him flourishing in the game, did he remind you of other players? Is there is there an app comparison that comes to mind for you? Uh, I, you know, I, nothing off the top of my head, Chad. I, I think that the distinct thing that people notice about Joe um, when he plays baseball is the calmness in which he faces every situation. You know, I, I, I think back to when I first had a chance to watch him during spring training. You know, these catchers get beat up in spring training. They'll they'll have to catch bullpens five, six guys at a time as we try to get all our pitchers work. And it didn't matter who Joe was catching, even when he was in his first major league camp. You know, the different stuff that people throw, the wildness, the movement. He just had such a calmness about how he could receive the baseball and really that translated into his hitting. I, I think catching was a big part of, of, of Joe being the, the calm hitter that he was. So I don't know if I could compare that to anybody in particular, other than that his ability and knowledge of the strike zone and the fact that we, 
we all know Joe loved to take strike one, but you know yes. that never really started till strike two. But that's correct. Uh, unique and in, to himself, and obviously, if you're going to win three batting titles, given the physicality of his position, um, you're going to be a tremendously aware hitter that has great bat to ball skills, but also a tremendous amount of patience and knowledge of the strike zone. Both you guys would finish your careers hitting three oh six. There's some distinct differences. Obviously, you played more positions than Joe. You had more speed than Joe. Uh, and and you were known as one of the base, best base runners in the game. Joe never had your wheels. But Joe's ability to judge balls on the ground, balls sure. in the air, when to take another base, when to not take it, that was just another example of his tremendous baseball instincts. You know, part of being a baseball uh, base running instructor is to make sure you hammer home, home the point that you don't have to be fast to be a good base runner. I think my, Michael Kadire is another guy that comes into mind in, in terms of just someone who had tremendous instincts and awareness and ability to make a positive right decision when the ball was put in play. You know, I even remember when I was managing, Chad, that, you know, I, I like to do a lot of research on opposing pitching staffs and look for tells, whether it was tipping pitches or also ways that we could get 90 feet on the base pass. And every time I would present to our team something about opposing pitcher that maybe we could have a chance to run, it, it was always Joe would be the first guy to do it, and he was always successful. So, um, yeah, his instincts in the game, you know, we knew what it was behind the plate in the batter's box, but he was certainly an elite base runner in terms of making good decisions and knowing when to be aggressive and taking those type of risks. What was it like managing him? Did anything surprise you about that? Uh, not really. You know, I had known Joel quite a while, obviously, and all the way back to his high school days and then seeing him in the minor leagues and, of course, monitoring his major league career when I was you know, staying in, in the minor league role for myself. So, um, and I was a coach in 2014 uh, for Gardy. So I, I yep. was around him during that time as well. I, I think what I appreciated the most was that Joe, his leadership was different in that it was more exam, example than, than loud, loud talk. And he would often, you know, share with me the, the pulse of the locker room, uh, people, maybe had things going on off the field that I would only hear about maybe through someone like Joe who would share that, Hey, this guy needs a little pick me up or you might want to talk to him. And, and I, I think he was really helpful to me, helpful to me in understanding the dynamic and how the clubhouse was, was act, acting and getting along on a day-to-day basis. You know, everyone talks about a, a drop off at the end of his career and really everyone declines to some degree as you play longer but even at the very end, um, you know, when when I had a chance to have a situation with the tie a game or go ahead in a game or win a game, you know, Joe Joe was still the best at bat that I could call for, and um, I I just appreciated how how much that he allowed me to have the opportunity to manage him and and uh, and watch him all the way to that last day when when we had that emotional emotional moment when Joe went behind the plate for that uh, for that last outing. <clears throat> you're you're you read my mind because that's how I want to finish the conversation. The concussions caused Joe to move to first base, and no doubt he wasn't the same player the last few years. But when you're saying he's the one guy you want up, I'm I'm sure you're a hundred percent right. 
How did that remind me just how that all process, that whole process played out because it had been years and years since he went behind the plate. Sure. Nobody wanted to take a chance, but I'm watching like seemingly 500 million other twins observers were watching sure. when the sure. game the games in its final inning and guess who's going behind the plate. Take, take me through that. Uh, you know, I, I can't take any credit for the concept of that transpiring. Um, I'm not sure if it was, I know Derek Shelton, who was my bench coach was involved with it somehow. I think someone broached the idea with Joe at some point and, you know, Joe, he had to kind of think it through the positives and the negatives and didn't want to disrespect the game and all those type of things. Um, but once the plan was in place, obviously they had to run it through me, what I thought about it. And it turns out that if we could orchestrate it in a way that would be honoring, would be appropriate and, just kind of give Joe that send off. I think it meant a lot to the fans who were at the game that day. I know it meant a lot to his parents um, and his family to, to see Joe put on that uniform. I mean, that catcher's gear that last time. So I, I was, I was fortunate to be, be a part of that, but certainly not the person that was responsible for it. And because of it, I got one last really special embrace with Joe as he yeah. came off the field after right. catching that pitch. And I have a lot of things, Chad, that I've acquired through the years, but i, I got to tell you, that, that picture holds a very special place. I uh, I was reminded of that last night. Maybe it was Mike Max. I forget. I was clicking around. I think it was Mike where he went over to, to Creighton, and I think it was even somebody you know took that picture from kind of down downstairs down looking up, up yeah. right yeah. where you two are embracing. It's It is a great Twins picture. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's just having known Joe in so many different capacities from, you know, his his early days to watching him grow as a major league player and then coaching him and managing him and to have it culminate with that last moment was really special. I, I don't, you know, we talk about the St. Paul, the four guys, which is just kind of one of those cool things. It's a credit to the city and the programs that they had and the coaching system that they had. But I don't know how many – um, high schools share two guys too, yeah, so we, right. we take a little we take a little bit of pride in that too. The the old the old Cretan days for both Joe and myself. You should, sir. Uh, I take yeah. it Hawaii was just okay. <laughs> it was just okay. The golf the golf was great, Chad. I'll just tell you that. Yeah. I know that you love your golf, so yeah, um, yeah. Hey, another month to be down to spring training. So it's uh, coming fast. It, it, who knows? Maybe you you might be playing golf here uh, next week. I was going to say there uh, there might be a Mitchell friend of ours who's talking in another radio station right now. If anybody's going to play golf, our mutual friend will be playing golf uh, next Wednesday or Thursday. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, the uncommon man. Yes, uncommon man. that is yeah, what I'm alluding to. That is for sure. All right, my friend. Talk to you soon. Always good. Take care, Chad. He's great, Paul Molitor. Biggest Minnesota news story of the day, Mary Moriarty and the charges in the death of Ricky Cobb, Susan Gertner, former Ramsey County attorney, on that topic in about 12 minutes on CCO. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Once again, I'm bitter, R.O. Neil Diamond. I suggested, again, we could have come up with the idea sooner, but I just came up with it and said, R.O. Neil Diamond should call in and sing Happy Birthday himself, along with Jason to Russia. Now, if Anita was here, he could sing Happy Birthday to her also. She's probably snowshoeing right now. She's, she's out and about. She does stuff. So Happy Birthday to her. We won't see her, but we'll see Jason. But our Neil Diamond, you know, Unavailable, then offered up just uh, just disgusting discourse in a text. Yeah. Kind of what Neil does. Yeah. It's not shocking. Our friend Patrick Royce told me, I'm, as he says, if he hasn't said this on air, I'll go ahead and say it. Patrick, well, we chatted over the weekend. He said, you know, he committed to whenever Joe makes the Hall of Fame, he has to just write this extraordinarily long story on Joe. Patrick took it. I thought, I don't know, three years from now, four years from now, five years from now. You know, I'll just, I'll just, you know, ye, you know, year by year, every couple months, I'll go back to it. Mm-hmm. Start cranking, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be brilliant. But start cranking that baby because <laughs> it's not that far away. And it is. I mean, it was, I forget how many words, but it was crazy long. I was like, why did you say that? He was like, did you think he was making it? Heck no. So that's kind of where I'm going. It is a remarkable part of this story that I think very few of the baseball observers in this town, whether you're in the media or you're a a fan who's interested enough to engage in the debate and say, is Joe going to make it? I thought he would always make it, but I'm in the camp. No, and again, it's just dumb. I can't. I can't. I I literally can't stand it. The pomposity of some writers who say, "Oh, I'm not going to let him in on the first vote. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not even going to let him in for the second, third. But then by the fourth or fifth, it's like, did they play more? If they're in, they're in. Now it's different if somebody, you know, hopefully yearly takes a look at someone and says, you know what, I was wrong. They, they should, he should get in. Yeah. And some year, you know, random guy might be number 11 on your list yeah. of uh, the 10 you could vote for. Some years he might be number six. Yeah. I think people vote for too many too. I'd say that. I, I see a lot of people voting for 10. I don't think there's, I personally didn't think there was 10 on the list. Again, that's me. Dopey little me over here. But I just, the arrogance of no. We're not going to let somebody in. I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the, it's another stupid, unwritten baseball rule. Get out of here. He's good enough for now. But it's a little bit, we talked about it um, a little bit in the first hour after the Terry Ryan interview. I don't want to belabor it, but Maurer collectively, as Minnesotan as he is, more value nationally. Oh, yeah. In the media. 
than in town. Now, I'm going to push back on myself a little bit that if you have somebody around for as long as Joe was and it's a baseball season where it's at bat after at bat, game after game, again, this is the sport where we just had Paul on. They both hit 306, so they basically failed batting average-wise, and there's way more stats better than that now. But it's the quintessential. Those two guys basically failed seven out of ten times, and they're amazing players. Mm-hmm. So if you see it over and over again, it's something you have to have perspective every single time. Say, well, you know, he's an over for 17 slump, but he's great. Sometimes you can just say he's an over for 17 slump, and he stinks right now. But I think he's one of those guys who is viewed more favorably, not fans-wise, but with the media than nationally than he is locally. Is that fair? I'd say fans-wise, too. You think fans-wise? I locally? think fans of other teams respected Joe Maurer and what he brought to a lineup more so than a lot of Twins fans did, who would say, no home runs, yep. too many double plays, day game after night game, but do you, you think know, it's, play the hits. Do you think it's skewed, though, the theory that I offered that all that may be true, but if you see somebody constantly, you're, you're going to give them more scrutiny when it's an incredibly hard sport like this. That's probably true, yeah. It's, it's part of it. You know, now... I think Garnett is the same category. I'm trying to think anybody, anyone who texts me, maybe we'll get to it after the Susan Garrett interview. Who else do you think he's, he excelled here? Because Larry Fitzgerald Sr. tweeted his son. And I thought about that. I'm going to respond. I just didn't have time. I still think Larry Fitzgerald Jr. is viewed incredibly favorably in this town. Don't you? Yes. Incredibly favorable. Now, as highly as he was in Arizona, Probably not, just because he was there forever. But that's a different one, where someone played somewhere else. And so the praise is more. But I'm just saying somebody, he or she, like a texter or a tweeter raised Whalen. I'm like, no way. Whalen's still a hero. Nobody yes. even brings up the U of M stuff, the, the coaching stuff. It's like, well, she coached. She was early. And if she wants to, just get another opportunity. I think Whalen's still viewed as a hero. If you got somebody, you can text me. Mary Moriarty's decision on a state trooper and multiple charges, including a murder charge. Susan Gertner, former Ramsey County attorney, is with us on CCL. All right, I'm going to jump in right away. This was a story most of the state paid some attention to, if not a great deal of attention to. It's July 31st. Ricky Cobb is uh, driving. And he's pulled over about 2 a.m. I-94. Didn't have uh, taillights working. During the stop, troopers attempted to remove Cobb from the vehicle after learning that he had been accused of violating a standing domestic order for protection out of Ramsey County, by the way. Um, he does not comply with all of their instructions. There is dialogue back and forth. The vehicle starts moving. And shots are fired, and Cobb is killed. Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty today is charging the trooper, Ryan Londrigan, with second-degree unintentional murder, first-degree assault, and second-degree manslaughter. Susan Gertner faced uh, decisions like this involving everyday citizens, law enforcement, when she was in charge of Ramsey County, I've chatted with Susan multiple times before. She's kind enough to join us 
to talk about this story. Susan is on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. I know you were aware of the story. I know all of us knew at some point Mary Moriarty would offer up some decision. Do you agree with the decision she made? I am not going to go there, Chad. I thought I'd try. How can I? I, I, got, I have to try. Yeah, it's a worthy, worthy uh, effort, but uh, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, weigh in on whether or not it was the right decision or not, because the overall question will be for the jury: uh, Was this force reasonable? And if the force was reasonable, then the officer's not guilty of all three of the charges. If the force was unreasonable, then then it's a different story. The whole question of whether or not reasonable force was used is very fact-specific. It's a very difficult decision. Um, and uh, unless you're sitting in that jury box and you hear the whole story, uh, I think uh, it's somewhat irresponsible to say yes or no to that question you raised. Uh, I will tell you I'm not surprised by the charges. And I will also say that the complaint itself is very meticulously written and uh, really reflects what is obviously a lot of work and thought that's gone into the charges. Okay, take me through second-degree unintentional murder because of the charges anytime. You know this, Susan. Murder's tied. We're going to pay most attention. How often is this used, and and why is it used? Well, it's uh, an interesting question you raise because we have seen so much more of this um, charging uh, some version of murder uh, sometime in in these officer involved shooting situations, and sometimes that can provide uh, a sense uh, to the family. Uh, to the community that the system is taking it more seriously because that word, that charge uh, is out there. Um, sometimes it doesn't have much practical effect on what the actual outcome is, what what kind of uh, prison sentence is entered, if any. Um, but again, I think, I think that that means something to people when it's uh, a murder charge, even uh, second-degree unintentional. So to prove second-degree unintentional, that one specifically, and maybe it's just a, uh, you reiterating your first answer, but what's the bar on that one? Well, the bar is that, first of all, they have to prove that the uh, officer had uh, caused the death of Ricky Cobb, that he uh, did so not intending to cause the death of Ricky Cobb, but that that death was a result of committing uh, a felony assault with a firearm. And so those are the elements. But again, as I indicated before, uh, all these charges, the defense is uh, presumably going to be that force was reasonable. Uh, because police officers have a right to use a level of force that uh, you and I don't. So if the force was reasonable, uh, even if it was deadly, um, then there's no criminal guilt attached. Part of what Mary Moriarty said at the news conference is this. Let me see if you can react to this. As with all Minnesota law enforcement officers, state troopers may only use deadly force when it's necessary to protect a person 
from a specific identified threat of great bodily harm or death that was reasonably likely to occur. That did not exist in this case. Ricky Cobb should be alive today. What's your reaction to that quote? It's an accurate statement of the law, of the legal standard, and it is what I would expect to hear from a county attorney who's made this decision because uh, the, the prosecutor has an obligation to not just charge people uh, because they think they did something wrong. You have to uh, only do so, move forward with criminal charges, if you are uh, have a sincere belief that you have proof beyond a reasonable doubt that the charge uh, is warranted, that the, um, that the crime was committed by the person. So, again, I, I would say that um, that's what we would want to hear because Mary Moriarty shouldn't be bringing charges unless she believed that that was the, the evidence, that that's what it showed, and that she believed she could prove it by, beyond a reasonable doubt. Just reminding folks, we're talking about Mary Moriarty's decision to offer up murder, manslaughter, and assault charges against uh, Trooper Ryan Lundgren. And this is in the death of Ricky Cobb. Just to remind people the details, too, that vehicle stop, he's resisting. Repeatedly questioned why he was being detained. We heard that from the audio. Less than a minute later, troops, the uh, troopers forced open the door. Lundgren is partially inside the vehicle. When he drew and fired his handgun, the car had lurched forward. I have not looked at my text yet, Susan, but I'm certain there are multiple texts saying, if you resist instructions from law enforcement, you are asking for trouble. For that part of our audience, I know it's not as simple as that. I'm not saying it. But I guarantee you there are texters saying, guess what? If he just pays attention, nothing happens. What what do you say to those those audience members listening right now? Well, that's not the legal standard is the first thing I would say. Um, if by uh, resisting arrest or not following direction, uh, that is not um, uh, does, does not lead to uh, a right for a police officer to use deadly force. It it needs to be um, a a perception, a reasonable perception, that if you don't shoot or otherwise use deadly force, uh, great bodily harm is going to happen to someone. And uh, that's a much uh, higher standard, a much stronger set of circumstances than simply not cooperating with an arrest. So can I jump now, in on that? Yeah. Could you, can I just jump yeah. in and say this? So in this case, car lurches forward. We don't know what could have happened. Maybe great bodily harm would have occurred. But at that point, it doesn't seem like we have any idea because we didn't see what potentially could have happened. Well, Chad, is that is that fair? It's what you just said is the kind of thing that I absolutely would expect to hear examined, talked about in the courtroom if if this matter proceeds as far as to trial. There, there's 
a multitude of ways to look at the situation, and it'll be the prosecutor's job to convince a jury beyond a reasonable doubt that um, it was not reasonable to assume that great bodily harm would result if um, the deadly force was not used. One more question, I'll let you go. Susan Gertner is with us, former Ramsey County attorney, on the decision that Mary Moriarty made early in the day involving Trooper Londegren and the multiple charges. A lot of attention was made, including by Londegren's attorneys, when Mary Moriarty met with uh, Ricky Cobb's family in September. They were critical of that, the attorneys representing the trooper. What what was your view of that? Well, I thought that was um, the the fact that County Attorney Moriarty met with the family prior to a charging decision. Uh, to me, uh, seemed like an appropriate thing to do. Would you have done that? When I was County Attorney, I had uh, many occasions to meet with family members uh, of someone who had. Uh, died under circumstances that could potentially be criminal. Uh, some investigations uh, take a great deal of time, uh, and um, it's not as if you uh, want to, you know, ignore or or you know keep families away from any kind of of discussion. It's a different environment now. I will say that um, the whole issue of police involved shooting officer involved shooting is has become uh, more um, contentious like so many other things um, so you know I it again it's it's predictable of the defense to complain about that I can understand why they would complain about that but simply because the county attorney meets with survivors uh, of someone whose who's, uh, life has been lost um, doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily, or doesn't mean at all that the decision of whether or not to charge the person will be based on sympathy toward the family. I think that's just too much of a leap, and it's, it's not fair. Susan, I always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. You take it, Chad. Bye-bye. Susan Gertner on Mary Moriarty's decision to file charges against the trooper involving murder, manslaughter, and assault. If you want to react, you always can on this radio station. Talk and text lines are available, 651-461-9226. Among the reaction here, we need to stop pussyfooting around with these guys. Pretty soon nobody will want the job. It makes me sick. You mess with the bull, you might get the horn. Again, is the bar when you're messing with the bull. Again, I'm not condoning anywhere advocating resisting questions and potentially arrest in any way. But what actions by you allows legally a trooper to fire a weapon, Dave? It's not just as simple as I'm going to send a text. Hey, you resist, Katie bar the door. That's not our society. At least that's not the legal society. Maybe the society some of our texters want because there's a lot of other people who are basically saying the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I I get why people feel that way. You know, you didn't listen. Well, you deserve what got to you. Well, no, that's not what the law says. He's dead. Really? Right. Really? So that's the bar that you have an order out on you. You don't have taillights. 
you're resisting. All things I wouldn't do. But then, who knows, maybe you're making the getaway. It was kind of, when did the vehicle start? And you should be shot and killed? It's No, not the automatic. Now, legally, what's the bar? We're going to find out in months. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.